Robert Silvers is an artist who combined digital technology and photography to create what he calls photo mosaic art. A photo mosaic is a large photograph that is made up of thousands of tiny photographs. The idea is to view the large picture from a distance, but upon closer examination, see the thousands of smaller pictures used to create the art image. Like a photo mosaic, the Bible's Book of Ruth is a little picture inside a much bigger picture, a small story about romance and redemption inside God's larger narrative about His redeeming love. The characters in this little story remind us that our lives matter to God, no matter how small and insignificant we think we are. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. When is a fairy tale not a fairy tale? Find out next on this Monday edition of Something Good Radio. Hello, I'm Brian Davis, and welcome to another great week of teaching with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Today, Ron takes us once again to the book of Ruth. It's a story of romance, redemption, and true love. It reads much like a fairy tale, except in this case, it actually happened and it points to an even greater love story, that between Christ and the church. Stay with us now or visit somethinggoodradio.org where you can listen to the program on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From road trip number two of his teaching series, Route 66, the ultimate road trip through the Bible, here's Ron with part two of his message, Ruth, Romance, and Redemption. Now, what does all this mean in a, uh a New Testament sense, and how does this point us to Christ, who is our kinsman redeemer? Remember I said that the book of Ruth is history. It's not a fairy tale. It's history, it's romance, it's prophecy, and it's theology. It's the theology of redemption. In, in a story and in a cultural setting where uh, the poor and the foreigner could be redeemed by a near kinsman. But um, there, there, there's something even to this nearer relative who said, I, I, I can't do the redemption. Some people point to him and say, he is a picture of the Mosaic law that cannot redeem us. I'm talking about uh, all that we learn in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, uh, simplified and codified even in the Ten Commandments. Some people think that to get right with God, I just have to try harder and do better and uh, you know, pull myself up by my own uh, uh, religious bootstraps and, and, and try to keep the Ten Commandments. No, the, the Ten Commandments cannot redeem us. It was never meant to redeem us. Uh, the law can reveal sin but it can never pay the price necessary to redeem the sinner. And this nearer kinsman is a picture, a portrait of that. Once he learns the, 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 the ultimate price he has to pay to redeem the land and the relationship, he says, I, I'm not able to do that. I can't. And just remember, the law cannot redeem you. Religion cannot redeem you. You can't redeem yourself no matter how hard you try. 
So it goes to the next. And that's where Christ comes in. That's where the picture of Jesus comes in. The Christ connection in Ruth is, is breathtaking. It's, it's through this, this story that's 3,000 years old, this, this bright light that was taking place, unbeknownst to who, in the middle of the times of the judges. This story was taking place to illustrate for us that like Boaz is to Ruth, Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. In the Hebrew language, it's, it's the word goel. He's the goel. It appears 13 times in the book of, of Ruth. And you get the sense that there is something going on here. The goel is one who redeems or buys back. And there were three criteria that the goel or the kinsman redeemer had to meet. Number one, he had to be a near blood relative. And there was a succession. The nearest had the first right of redemption. Okay, nearest to us was the law, the law of Moses. That came first, right? But, but the law can't redeem us. And the nearest relative here says, I, I'm not able to do that. I can't go that far with my redemption. Secondly, he uh, had to be able to pay the redemption price in full. And then thirdly, the goel had to be willing to redeem. And, and Boaz met all of the criteria there in the culture and in the story. You can go back to the Mosaic Law in Leviticus 19, Leviticus 25, and you, you learn about the law of redemption and the role that the, that the goel, the kinsman redeemer, plays in that culture. More to the point of Ruth's situation, part of the law said that if a family member died without an heir, as did Ruth's husband, the kinsman gave his name to the widow by marrying her. Again, she was vulnerable, she was poor, she uh, didn't have a, a future for herself without that. Their children would then bear his name and give her descendants a future. And like Boaz, who was rich enough to redeem Ruth, <laughs> he was the richest man in the county. He, he had all the resources that were necessary to redeem the real estate and the relationship. Likewise, Jesus has the power to redeem us from our spiritual poverty and make us rich in him. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And Boaz also illustrates for us uh, the willingness of Jesus to redeem us. You know, some people point to the cross of Christ and um, they say things like this, oh, how, uh, how tragic. A good life that ended in a bad way because he got on the wrong side of political and religious gamesmanship. No. He willingly went to the cross to pay in full the price of redemption. And he said as much on the cross. Those seven cries from the cross as Jesus was hanging there, one of them was, it is finished. Let me tell you why that's goel language, that's kinsman redeemer language, because Jesus is borrowing a term used in uh, the marketplace and in business documents at that time, it was a marketplace term, tetelestai. It's what they would stamp on a transaction when it was paid in full. Uh, the near kinsman could not pay in full the redemption price. That's why he says, I can't do this. The law can't save you. You can't save yourself. 
Only Jesus can redeem us. Only he has deep enough pockets, as it were, to die on the cross for our sins, to shed his blood, and to pay the redemption price in full. And he wasn't, the, uh, he wasn't there because he got on the wrong side of politics and religion. He was there willingly. He willingly went to the cross. And he settled that matter in the Garden of Gethsemane when he prayed, not my will, but thine be done. In the end, Boaz shows kindness to Ruth and Naomi by redeeming them from a life of hardship and poverty. And Boaz and Ruth marry. Now we're in the middle of chapter 4, and God gives them a child. Ruth is now pregnant. (laughs) And some of the women in the community come back to Naomi, and they say, Oh, Naomi, you don't need to be bitter. You are so blessed. Chapter 4, verse 14, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. Who are these women talking about? If you say Boaz, you're wrong. Because read on. Your daughter-in-law who loves you, this is Ruth, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him, this Redeemer. You expect them to say, your daughter-in-law has married him. Oh, wait a minute. Has given birth to him. Remember I said the main characters in chapters um, three and four are Boaz and Ruth, and toss a baby named Obed in there as well. These women in the community know something that maybe not everybody else knew. I don't know quite how they picked up on this, but remember I said Ruth is history, it's romance, it's theology, the theology of redemption, it's also prophecy. And here's where we see the prophecy. The story ends with this unexpected twist, and it ends with a genealogy of all things. Still ahead, the rest of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Ruth, Romance, and Redemption, right here on Something Good Radio. Somethinggoodradio.org is the place to go to hear any of Ron's messages on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. And when you stop by, check out the new Something Good digital library, where you can search to find answers to your biblical questions from nearly 30 years of Ron's Bible teaching ministry. You can stream for free and on demand at somethinggoodradio.org. Something Good Radio exists only through the faithful prayers and financial support of listeners like you. And for your gift to Something Good Radio today, Ron wants to bless you with a new digital resource that goes along with the series you're hearing right now, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Ron has written an ebook based on the Old Testament historical books, Joshua through Esther. And it's our gift to you for your generous gift to Something Good Today. Donate online at somethinggoodradio.org, that's somethinggoodradio.org, or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. Now let's get back to Ron for the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, Ruth, Romance, and Redemption. Uh, it says in... Um Chapter 4, 
And verses 21 and 22 kind of summarizes where we are in all this. And it says, Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. <laughs> and Jesse fathered who? King David. King David. This is what the story is all about. Oh, yeah, we can learn some, you know, principles of romance and dating and relationship. That's kind of the lower story. The upper story here is there's a messianic connection here. I don't know how these women went from Boaz the Redeemer to the Redeemer coming through the line of King David and the important role that even Obed, the child between Boaz and Ruth, would make. But, but, but this makes you go, wow, you got to be kidding me. This is huge. This is a much bigger story inside a little tiny story that most of the people living during the time of the judges hadn't figured out. Maybe they had never heard of it. Some people say that Samuel, uh, quite some time later, compiled this story and wrote about it. And some people say, wow, are you, are you kidding me? What, what a beautiful mosaic God is painting here along the ultimate road trip through the Bible to say, my plan to redeem you was always in place, and I was working my plan even during the dark ages. And if you think your life is so small and so insignificant, <laughs> and your story is insignificant, no, you're, you're part of God's larger story, just as Ruth and as Boaz were. Go with me to Matthew chapter 1, and I want to show you something that in light of Ruth's story and what you now know about the book of Ruth, you've got to go, wow. And it's a section of Scripture a lot of people just kind of skip over. The beginning of Matthew's gospel, he starts with um, 17 verses of a genealogy. <laughs> this is how he introduces the Hebrew people to their king who has come. He's trying to convince his Jewish audience that Jesus Christ is that king. The genealogy doesn't mean much to you and me, but in the, in the Hebrew world, in the Jewish world, the genealogy traced the legal right to the throne. And so they paid attention to genealogies. And in the middle of this one that traces through 14 generations, three different times, it says in verse 5, and Salmon, the father of Boaz, we're, we heard that at the end of chapter 4 in Ruth, right? And Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. What? What does Rahab the prostitute have to do with this? We learned about Rahab in the book of Joshua. Okay, she, she's in the genealogical line of Jesus Christ. And Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth. Ruth is a foreigner. She's a Moabite woman. Are you kidding me? How did she appear here? You ought to be saying, oh, the grace of God, the grace of God. And Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. You see, the messianic line all the way to the Christ is a Davidic line. And this little story is important because it, it, it's, just, it's just a little, little bit of those, those facts that you bring to the legal case that supports the idea that Jesus is the Christ. 
He had the legal line to get there all the way through Rahab, all the way through a Moabite woman named Ruth. Furthermore, Tamar, who was raped, and then Mary, the virgin. Four unlikely women to appear in the genealogical record of Jesus Christ. I say, God has always been pro-women. And oh, the grace of God to even pull in a foreigner and a prostitute and some of these people. But he, he, he was always at work, behind the scenes as it were, uh, working out his plan for redemption. You know, the other thing that comes into play in a story like this is, I said there were four criteria for the goel, for the kinsman redeemer, a blood relative, somebody who had the means by which to pay the redemption price in full, and somebody who was willing to do so. You know what was necessary on the other side? Somebody who saw himself or herself as needing redemption. Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit. You didn't have to convince Naomi or Ruth that they were poor, that they were vulnerable. Um, Ruth made a faith decision in chapter one <laughs> where she says to Naomi, your God will be my God. Think about that, a, a, a pagan from Moab embracing the God of Israel. Orpah went back to her old pagan ways. Okay? Presumably she found a husband among the Moabites. But a fork in the road, a faith decision. Naomi and Ruth come back to Bethlehem. Don't miss that. <laughs> back to the place the Christ would be born. Uh, understanding just how vulnerable they were, how poor they were, and how much in need of a redeemer they were. Maybe you're sitting here today and you say, I, I don't know that I need this Jesus. Well, the saddest place to be is to not know how much you need him. To think you're sufficient enough to redeem yourself. Remember, the law can't redeem you, the try harder way. Um, religion can't redeem you. You can't redeem yourself. You don't have the sufficient resources, and neither do I, to pay the full redemption price. But the Father sent his one and only Son, Jesus, to shed his blood upon the cross and to pay the redemption price in full. And when we place our faith and trust in him, the Bible says that's when we become children of God, born into his family. Now his blood becomes the source of us becoming and he becoming to us a near relative. He calls us children of God. Isn't that beautiful? But have you come to that place where you recognize your poverty of spirit? Blessed Jesus didn't say blessed are the poor. He said blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who recognize that no matter how successful I am, no matter how much money I might have, there is a poverty of spirit that makes me in need of redemption that only Jesus Christ can provide. So like, like Ruth, fix your eyes on Bethlehem where our kinsman redeemer was born where his earthly life began, and trace that all the way to the cross of Jesus Christ, and just lay yourself bare before him, 
naked, poor, vulnerable, and in need of a redeemer who is willing to redeem me, and he has more than shown his willingness to redeem you. He has shed his blood. He has, he has paid the redemption price in full. There's nothing more you can do or need to do other than to receive the free gift of eternal life by faith. And when you do, you know, he, he says, welcome to the family, my brother or sister. You're a child of God. So my question for you is, what are you waiting for? <laughs> uh, we can walk away and say, oh, nice story, romantic. Uh, tugs on my heart a bit. I love a good romance story. Uh, it's so much more than that. And the question is, will you respond in faith believing today? And admit your need for a redeemer. Thanks for being here for today's Something Good radio message, Ruth, Romance and Redemption. Ron, let's talk a little more about this idea that people sometimes believe they can redeem themselves, that if they try hard enough and live well enough, that God will let them into heaven based solely on their own human efforts. Why is this impossible? Brian, I'll start with this. It is impossible for a person to gain entrance into heaven by living a good life. It is both too much and not enough. Now, that sounds like a paradox, but allow me to explain. First, it's not enough. In order to redeem yourself, you can't merely live a good life where the good outweighs the bad. You have to live a perfect life in which there is no bad because God establishes the standard of righteousness and holiness and perfection. So living a good life is not enough, but it is also too much. Salvation belongs to God and God alone through the completed work of his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, on the cross at Calvary. We don't have to do anything to earn it or to be worthy of it. Any attempt to contribute to our own salvation through good works or through living a good life is actually more than God requires of us. It is too much because it diminishes the sufficient work of Christ on the cross. There is no such thing as Jesus' performance plus my performance equals salvation. That is a distortion of what the Bible teaches. Salvation or redemption does not result from anyone's behavior, but Jesus Christ's behavior on the cross. That does not mean, of course, that uh, obedience to God's command is not important, but that leads to a discussion about sanctification, not salvation. To be redeemed by Jesus Christ, our kinsman redeemer, requires nothing behavioral from us at all. Faith alone in Jesus Christ redeems us. Now, that's a hard concept for many people to embrace and to understand. Almost sounds too good to be true, but it is true. And that's why it's called good news, because all that is required of us is faith in the finished work of redemption by Jesus Christ on the cross. That's Dr. Ron Jones with some great final thoughts on the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Blessed be his holy name. Well, before we go, Ron, how about telling us what's in store for us tomorrow as you continue your teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Brian, the next stop on the ultimate road trip through the Bible takes us to the book of 1 Samuel. Now, I think it's safe to say that here in America, we've reached a bit of a turning point. Christian morals and values are being challenged like never before, 
It's been going on for at least several decades now, but in recent years, it's, uh, well, it's grown worse. Here in 1 Samuel, Israel has reached a moral and spiritual turning point of its own. The people wanted to be like the other nations. You see, God established Israel as a nation, and he was their king. But the people wanted a human king. And thus begins this turning point in Israel's history, a period of time in which they go from judges to prophets and eventually to kings. It's a remarkable story featuring three primary characters, Samuel, Saul, and David. And we'll dive into it next time, right here on Something Good Radio. That's tomorrow when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, First Samuel, which way will you turn? Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.